show can be a little gay But if you're not, that's okay You can listen and have fun either way Xena, Star Wars, Doctor Who Guests in music and reviews Game of Thrones, Winona too Promise there's something for you She nerds out We're girls that like girls That like dirty things Hello and welcome to the She Nerds Out podcast. I am Kat. I'm Wendy. And I'm excited after that. Welcome. I'm Tara. <laughs> guys, uh, I'm socially isolated. Uh, I'm so glad to see you guys via our little chat room here. Like, I'm so excited to be doing this podcast. <laughs> it's well, really the only human connection I've had all weekend. So yeah. thank you. Thank you, Pine. I see your smiling faces and my tiny phone. I'm not on the iPad. You guys know that. So I'm no. looking at you on the tiny little screen. But you guys look beautiful. I'm buying you a flipping iPad for your birthday. <laughs> I'm tired of this pity party. No, gonna, I like this. We're going to crowdsource you an iPad, Tara. I mean, no. <laughs> I'm refusing the technology. Oh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. If we hand it to you, are you really going to refuse it? Try me. Okay. Know. <laughs> well, we have another edition of our fan fiction foreplay today on today's episode. I am a big fan of this writer, and they are not only known within the way hot fan fiction world as Boots and Cats, uh, but they have a new published book, and it's original and it's great, and we've all read it, and it's like kind of have our own little book club. <laughs> this is our first yeah. book club edition. Ooh, this nice. is book club. New segment alert. She nerds out book club. It's MB Gale. And here they are. We're very excited about our guest today. They're not only a very popular fanfic writer in the ERP fanfiction community, they're also a published author. Their first book is out now. It's called Queer Leaders. We're excited to talk about it with MB Gale. Mel, thanks for being here. Thank you, guys. So in Queer Leaders, uh, it's a high school love story. It takes place in a Catholic school. So I'm wondering, did you have some of your own high school experiences that you could draw from for this book? Uh, I went to Catholic high school, which is where that inspiration came from. Um, Catholic high school is a very interesting experience. I'm sure most people can tell you who have been, or even who haven't been. Uh, but everything you think is true, right? <laughs> exactly. Everything you think is true, except we didn't have the cool kind of a little bit inappropriate schoolgirl skirts because they kept rolling them too high so they got banned right before I got there. Oh, so we all had to wear pants, which was fine for me, but wow. Yeah. So that that I I, I kind of drew from that. I did have an experience um at one point in the book the teachers kind of find out that Mac is gay and they call her to the principal's office and basically threaten her with expulsion, which is basically exactly what happened with me. Um which was very stupid at the time because I think what happened, I think my girlfriend hugged me, but everyone kind of knew that I was gay. And, you know, even though you have all these straight couples, you know, procreating against a locker, it was like <laughs> some teacher to this day, I wish I knew which teacher it was because I know it was a teacher that went to the principal and basically told them to, you know, put the fear of God into me. But, you know, that was a very traumatizing thing obviously but um other than that most of it is is pretty made up even the characters i didn't really draw from anyone that i knew in real life at this time anyways um thankfully because this is much lighter than i think most people's high school experiences as far as coming out goes 
I'd say it went better for Mac than most people. Right. <laughs> it's how Mac did pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of how we we wish it would all end and sometimes it, it doesn't end that way, but the book, you know, when you're drawing on your own experience, um you did such a great job of the comedic timing of it's it's a really it's a really great read and and it's fun and it's light and they do you do hit on a bunch of you know, issues and, and things that come up that I thought was really impressive. Uh, but you do it with, with a, you know, with a sense of humor to it, um, which I think is really necessary when you are dealing with, with such heavy topics, uh, you brought a nice, uh, lightness to it that kind of, um, you know, that is really sometimes the only thing that gets you through stuff like that. And it's, it's terrible. Um, but it, you know, I loved it. And I know, you know, like a 30 something probably isn't your target audience for the, for the book, but I really loved it. I thought, you know, it was just so, I laughed out loud multiple times. Um, and you have a really great sense of that comedic timing, which I really enjoyed. Thank you. That, it means a lot to hear you say that. I, I do try to, I, in real life, I don't really take things seriously because if I do, I think that I would um, self implode. But so I think that the whole like taking the worst situation possible and kind of making it funny is just kind of how I've dealt with life. So it just is, ends up how I've ended up, you know, writing, surprisingly, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I just, there's so much dark in the world and, I think that it's important to kind of look at things with a little bit of lightness, even if it is a horrible situation, but that's just me. Like. And congratulations because this book was a product of winning Bella's fan fiction to publish author award. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how that came to be? Yeah. I mean, it was all Herbers, you know, that, that got me here. I owe all of this to them because I had just started kind of writing fan fiction again. I, I had written it a while ago uh, for a different fandom, and I had just gotten into it for for Winona Earp, and I was really nervous about like posting things and whatever because I've never really been too keen on. I've I've always been nervous about you know posting uh, fan fiction stuff, and I think I was on like maybe my second or third fic, and it I literally turned in my sample at like right before the deadline and. I thought for sure, you know, obviously I wasn't going to get it. I was like, well, I, I turned it in right before the deadline. You know, I'm sure a bunch of people are submitting or whatever, but a couple of people really in- encouraged me to do it. So I finally just submitted it. And then, uh, yeah, when I got the the message that I was one of the top three, I think the other two, one was a Carmilla one. And I don't remember what the third one was. I want to say maybe it was Buffy or something. Um but yeah, and then I I just kind of put it the link on one group chat that I was in. I was like, hey, like I'm really embarrassed, but if you wouldn't mind just voting for me, like thinking like I might as well give myself a little bit of a shot, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then you know those people on that chat were just so sweet, and they like tweeted it out to everybody, and you know I ended up winning, which was I don't know. I, it felt like a kind of miracle to me, honestly. So yeah, it really is because of Erpers that I even got this chance. Congratulations. And it's funny to hear you say that, oh, you weren't sure and you're kind of nervous. You know, you're obviously a very good writer and your stuff, you know, I first read your fan fiction. And so your stuff just kind of is, it's a standout. You're, you're very, you're, you're an excellent writer. You have great story. 
we know more about you know your characters obviously when we first reading it because it's way hot but still you you just you have a knack for it so to hear you say you're a little nervous and you weren't sure it's it blows me away because you are you're just such a great writer and it really shows in this book especially Oh, thank you. I was so nervous with this book because I was like, this is the first time anyone's going to read anything for me that isn't way hot. And I was, I was so convinced that everyone would be like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I felt so natural and, and I connected with the characters right away. I mean, you did such a great job and, uh, you know, it was, uh, we can fi- kind of relate to the, to a lot of the characters and different parts of ourselves that we can find in them. Uh, and I just really, I mean, I personally wish I had a Lila in, in high school. Uh, that would oh help me a lot. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's really great. And, and especially with your, your fan fiction, too, I agree with Kat that uh, you did such a great job with um, taking these characters that everyone knows, but put it, putting your own spin on it. And they are familiar to us. Uh, but you did, again, bring that great comedy, that depth uh, that that really brought the characters to life in a in a different way. So, thank you. I that, <laughs> I, I feel like I keep saying thank you, but I don't know what else to say. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm just very I'm we, very grateful. Let us shower we're you with accolades. And- <laughs> exactly. We we're not going to ask you questions. We're just going to keep telling you how awesome we think you are. Is that okay? I think I had a nightmare like that once actually. <laughs> Uh, so there's at least a couple times in the book where, in my, for me anyways, it's like, okay, I think I know where we're going here. But then it goes a completely different way. And it was so refreshing and kind of exciting because, you know, I'll be honest with you, Mal, I read a lot of fan fiction. And so, <laughs> you know, you can kind of tell where stories are going. But what I loved about Queer Leaders is that I was surprised along the way, which was so refreshing. So how long did it take for you to kind of to map out the story? Did you know where you wanted to go? Uh, were you like very aware of trying to make these characters different from way? Ha- like what was the process of actually writing this story for you? Um, this one it was a little different than any other story I'm ever going to write in the future. I have written before because it started out as a script that I wrote. Um, I, I went to school for film. I got a minor in screenwriting. So, you know, one of the things we had to do to graduate was write a, a feature length script. So I wrote this. It, it was kind of a last minute idea, actually, that I pulled out of my ass that my teacher liked the most out of my other two ideas. Um, so I, I wrote this a handful of years ago. It was a script. It was a musical script. Um, so it was I kind of used that as a blueprint for this uh, story. Obviously, it was basically just a very detailed outline. I actually I don't know where this idea came from. I really think it just was a last minute, out of nowhere kind of idea. I was watching a lot of Glee at the time. And I'm sure you can probably kind of tell from <laughs> reading it that there's a lot of Glee inspiration in this, um, just as far as ridiculous high school things go. Uh, and yeah, I really wanted to talk about the high school experience and the experience of coming out in a different way. Because I think we're so used to, you know, as queer people, we're so used to the coming out story where, you know, everyone hates them and it's really sad and it's really depressing. And, you know, those are very valid, obviously, because that is a lot of people's experiences. And I think it's important for people to see that they're not the only ones with those kinds of experiences. But for me, I wanted to write something that was a little more positive leaning as far as 
you know, because the world is changing as far as how people are coming out and their experiences coming out. And I think that it's important to show all sides of that. So even though Max coming out wasn't necessarily smooth sailing, it also wasn't the worst thing that's ever happened to her in the entire world. Um, it was it was almost an afterthought to the 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 plot point of I'm just gonna you know kiss a bunch of cheerleaders, <laughs> right? And you do you do a great job in, of including uh, the, her parents in this. And what I really liked was uh, one quote from the book. Uh, that, you know, you, a lot of parents are cool with gay people until your child is one. And, you know, we, there is a lot that goes behind that, I think. And um, that's, was that anything that you experienced um, that you drew from or that you just kind of, you knew people struggled with that? That was my personal experience too, that, you know, my, my, one of my parents were okay with being gay until your child is one. So that, that line stood out to me in particular. I have a lot of friends who that was their experience where they were very worried, um, even though based on things their parents had said, they shouldn't have been worried because they were like very supportive of the LGBT community and stuff, but they were still worried that it would be different when it was their kid. And um, for the most part, from those experiences that I've heard, it, it usually ended up being okay. Um, my experience with my parents was they were never <laughs> okay with gay people. And so it just, you know, it didn't make a difference when it was their own kid. It was still, you know, obviously the worst thing that's ever happened. But, um, I, I know it is, is, is something that happens a lot. And like I said, I just wanted to show different sides of it. Yeah, I did. I did like that part because, um, <clears throat> my parents are not necessarily, I mean, they're kind of okay. But then there, the thing I liked about the parents and the story's response compared to mine was the whole, yeah, we know. Like, even before you tell them, yeah, at least mom, at least mom. Dad was like, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, yeah, the fact that they, they know a lot of times long before you tell them. But, uh, and I also like being a uh, high school, I'm, I mean, I'm obviously I'm well, well past the high school years. And back when I was actually in high school, I mean, this was something like you didn't even know, like you didn't even really know what gay people were. And I went to a Baptist high school and all you ever heard about that was, it's just like an evil thing that, so there's no way you're that. Um, but just, I liked how, it, you know, in more recent times, like you dealt with it, like with the character of Beth, like, Hey, look, I prayed about it. I talked to Jesus. So I'm like, there's no way they're mutually exclusive. Like you can be both, you know, and, and it didn't go into the whole all religion is evil. You just have to, you know, the response of the headmaster is something I totally get. A headmaster of Catholic schools probably standing mm -hmm. up there saying, dude, mm -hmm. no, no homosexuality is loud. You've got to come to the office. <laughs> but you have the character. Yeah, like, like Beth saying, you know, I had to figure it out for myself. And after looking into it, praying about it, it's like, okay, no, she just doesn't hate me because I'm gay. I'm still me. And I just happen to like this girl. So I, I like that about it as well being from a Baptist high school and I could totally relate. So yeah. the Beth, the, the thing with Beth and religion was very important to me because, you know, a, a lot of times we do see either you're super religious or you're gay. The two don't really mix. And I think that that is something that we need to um, kind of move away from because it does. I, I feel like there's a lot of uh, queer people out there who, probably are afraid to talk about, you know, like religion and, and how it's helped them if it has. I'm personally not religious, but I know a lot that are, a lot of queer people that are, and it's very important to them. And I just think it's, you know, there there's no right or wrong in that situation, I don't think. I think that if it's your own beliefs and it's what helps you and you've come to terms with the fact that 
you know, that they don't have to be mutually exclusive as long as it comes from a place of love. Cause I think that all kind of beliefs systems come from a place of love. And I think that how can that be wrong, you know? So I think that it's just important to, again, see the varying experiences that people have. Mm -hmm. I concur. I do have a question too. Sorry, Kat. You have to ask them. <laughs> I'm just curious. Do you have mental images of, of these characters, what they look like? Do you have like, because I was curious, like I was trying to picture Mac and I was trying to picture Lila and all these people. Like, do you have specific either celebrities or people you know, or do you just have just kind of from scratch, like come up with, here's what they look like. Here's who, or do they modeled off of anyone in particular? I was trying to think about that as I was writing it. I was I was trying to come because one of the things I do when I procrastinate is I I search the internet for images. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "What celebrities would I uh, say they looked most like?" And I really couldn't, based on what was in my mind, I couldn't really find anything, anyone that that matched what I was thinking. The closest that I could get for Lila was that if if Natalie and I never say her last name correctly and forgive Nat. Uh, Carmilla. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I know her last name is a lot easier to say than it looks, but I can never get it. But if she was more Hispanic looking, like in a weird way, like that's the closest that I could get as far as a, a character for her. And um, with with Mac, there's this one actress and she's not really... I'm trying to think of her name. She was she's in the new New Mutants movie that will probably never come out. <laughs> and um she's the main character and she is the closest that that I thought like a, a mix between her mm-hmm. and like a Haley Steinfeld situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anna Taylor-Joy, is that what you're talking about? I got our I got our research department on it, <laughs> and by that I meant IMDb right now. Um, oh, IMDb, yeah, the main or Maisie, either that or Maisie Williams. Those are the first two listed. Or anyway, but I see what you mean. <laughs> the first three, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Whatever yeah, the, the girl with dark hair. I think it's she. Oh, Blue Hunt. Blue Hunt is her name. She hasn't done a lot of things. Um, she was in a she was in like a Netflix sci fi show recently too, with uh, Katie Sackoff that I don't remember. The oh, name yeah, we lost we watched part of that. Yeah, another life I think it's called. Yeah, that sounds right. Interesting. Yeah, I just didn't know like when you're writing original stories, do you base who they are or their looks or anything off of something you're familiar with, or is it just totally off the top of your head, or you know that kind of thing? I I try to av- avoid. I it's it's unavoidable, but. Um, I try to go off the top of my head as much as possible because then I'm worried that I'll get into my old fan fiction habits where I kind of take personalities from characters that already exist. Um, even though, you know, they, they kind of say when you're writing, when you first start writing, model it off someone you know or someone that you know you can write and then just kind of change <clears> it from there. But yeah, I try to avoid it when I'm writing original stuff because like I said, I am worried that I'll just copy a person's personality or character. Mel, is there any plans for you to continue with these characters and in, in, uh, in new stories, possibly? There never was before, but I've had a couple people ask me about it. And I don't think that I would write an official published sequel, probably, because I'm not exactly sure 
what that would even look like at the moment. So it's not really in my brain, but I do have other stories that I would like to tell of them, of these specific characters and, you know, beyond high school, because, you know, high school to college is such a weird transition for a lot of people. And I think that it's, it's a very interesting emotional time to, to examine people and, you know, how they are high school versus college and how they change now that they're independent and on their own or whatever. Uh, but at the moment, no, there's not any anything in the works. Well, the book's been getting great reviews so far. And I think one of the things included in those reviews were, when can we see more about these characters? So <laughs> that's a good sign. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm very, I'm very surprised and also thankful for that. So. And it, it's interesting that you said, you know, you based this off of a script because one of my questions was going to be, when are we going to see this on Netflix? Because <laughs> it, it does, it reads like a movie, it, you know, you, I, I can definitely see this uh, being made. So ha- has anyone approached you? Um, I'm oh, sure, no. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're open to that, right? Oh yes. No, I want that thousand percent. I would love for someone to take this and make it into some kind of crappy Netflix movie. Like <laughs> the worst casting, the worst sets. Like, I don't care. Like I want to see how bad that movie could be because I think that this is really built for, to be a, a, a bad movie, you know, like a bad, charming movie, but still a bad movie. And, um, I'm like, you could do this for $10, everybody come get like, <laughs> you could, this could be the cheapest production ever, but, uh, no, that definitely no one's approached me. And I, I don't even know, like, even, even though I'm technically in the business, I don't know the, how to even go about anything like that as far as putting it out there. So, um, you know, it'll probably, it'll, it'll probably sit forever and never be a movie, but in my heart, I really, really want it to be a movie. (laughs) You never know. You never know. I I have to ask, um, does Dr. Pepper lip smackers mean have any, do you have any like personal connection to that? Because I really related to, I'm I don't want to spoil it. I'm going to give it, you know, but I really related to that portion of, of the book. (laughs) Um, it, the only the only connection I have to it is that it fe- felt like the grossest flavor of lip smackers. <laughs> it's the best flavor. Have you, is ever, it? Have you had it? Trust me, Tara I, is obsessed with chapstick. I love Dr. Pepper lip. It just stood because it's so funny that you think it's going to be the grossest one, but right. it's actually pretty amazing. You should try it. Maybe <laughs> okay, we'll I'm send gonna, you some. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, once once we can leave our homes again, that I'll right. be the they're looking for the Dr. Pepper lip smackers. It'll be a pleasant surprise for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just funny because a lot of people, <laughs> I enjoy it. And I know other queer people that have, we bond over our love of Dr. Pepper lip smackers, you know? Really? Yeah. I don't, like, funny. like multiple people. It, it's out. Yeah. I don't know. I- I wonder if I heard of it somewhere and it subconsciously got in my brain or if I accidentally tapped into some kind of very specific queer experience <laughs> with Dr. Pepper. It was really deep down. Yeah. <laughs> Not surprised you related to that part of the story. You do love your chapsticks. <laughs> so uh, on a personal note, um, and you're – some sort of like the about you portion of your book. Um, there, there, you hit on a couple of points in there, essentially roller derby, mm-hmm. um, living in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, 
interested in that roller derby part. Where do you do that? How did you, uh, how used, that happen? It, well, Whip It came out with Ellen Page, obviously. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So that came out as soon as I went to college. I was I was like fresh seventeen. It it came out that year, and I went to a, an event for it at LA Derby Dolls in that used to be in downtown LA. So like it was a game and there was a concert with Landon Pig and the cast was there. And I was just obsessed with Ellen Page as any, you know, young queer person usually is. (laughs) So I went for that and then roller derby really intrigued me. But at the time I was too young. Like I think it was 21 and over that was allowed to do it because they sold liquor on premises. So it kind of just sat in the back of my mind for a while. And then as I was when I was like 20, I found a league that you could be 18. And so I got skates and I just started skating with a league called uh, Angel City Derby Girls. Had you and skated before at all? I, I used to play roller hockey when I was younger. I played roller hockey and ice hockey. So skating is kind of a weird, like natural uh, talent of mine. Of all the the natural talents I could have picked, I would have never chose skating, but here we are. (laughs) Especially in L.A., Canada. Yes, (laughs) especially in L.A. So um, I've always loved skating. I've always loved contact sports. Again, yay. And and it felt like a good way to meet girls. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, that was my main motivation And also it was just like an awesome, it just seemed like an awesome sport with these cool, badass women. And I wanted to try it and I got hooked and I've been doing it for about eight years now. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So I've, I've switched leagues since then and, you know, my priorities have changed a little bit, but it's, it's an amazing sport and it's, it's one of those places that. If you're if you're looking for any sense of community or family, I cannot emphasize enough how much roller derby has done that for me. Like especially as a young queer person who was leaving college and leaving all of kind of what they knew behind and needed somewhere else to go for family, it it, it was amazing. Like I I cannot emphasize that enough. It, it it's, sounds like it's you really kind of lived with it. Like it yeah. sounds like that's kind of the story of what I wasn't it. <laughs> Yes, yeah. exactly. And you it, are I, Ellen Page now. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I have finally evolved to become Ellen Page <laughs> leading up to this. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's an awesome sport. It, it's fun to watch. It's fun to play. So I'd suggest it for anybody. Really. Did you meet girls? Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it worked. It worked. Noted. Okay. <laughs> it worked. Yes. Tear, tear right <laughs> oh, down. What was the name of the currently, currently right. roller derby. <laughs> so I first found your writing, Mel, through fan fiction. And I have only read your Winona Earp stuff. But what how did you first get started writing fan fiction? What was your first the, your sort of your the gateway show that that made you want to write? <laughs> uh my relationship to fan fiction basically spans my entire life. So it, it's it's it really started online when Lizzie McGuire was out and I was about nine to 10 years old. Uh, nice. <laughs> so I well, actually, no, it started before I started with Harry Potter, obviously where most people start with fan fiction. And um, 
I wrote a little bit of Harry Potter fan fiction, and then I wrote Lizzie McGuire fan fiction. And after that, I kind of didn't read or write any for a long time. And then my last big fan fiction venture was the Glee fandom with Faberry. Obviously. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Lots of heartbreak, you know, lots of angst. <laughs> so that yeah, that's 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 kind of how I got to Winona Herb. It started with Lizzie McGuire, really. So. <laughs> it all goes back to Lizzie. <laughs> exactly. All goes Obviously. back to Lizzie. <laughs> Yeah. And so how did you find Winona Earp? When did you first uh, get introduced to that show? Uh, I was between jobs at the time and I was super sad. So I was just going through the video on demand in alphabetical order. And I had decided to switch it and go from the bottom to the top and <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah. And so Winona Earp was there and I, I'm pretty sure I'd seen a couple of things on Tumblr about it. Obviously, because I think I it was halfway through the first season, mostly through the first season. So the gay had already happened. And I was like, yeah, sure. More reason to watch this. And I love Westerns and I love, you know, badass female leads. And it was basically everything that I could have ever wanted in a show. Hmm. And so, yeah, I think the the I watched like the last three episodes live, maybe two or three episodes live. And um, that's. That's how I found it. And then I, you know, didn't look back, obviously. That's, um, yeah, we're, we're, Tara and I are responsible for Kat uh, falling in love with Winona Earp because we told her about it. Tara and I first watched the pilot and turned it off after 10 minutes and thought, uh, listen for us. And then later, <laughs> Reed started back up again. I was like, this is really good. I think Tara would like this. So then I got Tara into it. And then we both collectively dragged Kat down this rabbit hole of Winona and she has taken it to a whole new level. So, um, really yeah. <laughs> it's their fault um, it is our fault and you know I'm, I'm looking at uh i'm scrolling through some of your your stories now now you've gone through so many kind of different genres so you've you've done a western you've done uh you know sort of romantic comedy type stuff uh you've done a spy story you've done um you know period stuff like is there is there a genre within fan fiction that you are not interested in in doing or do you think you know you'll do a thriller you'll do a, a horror version like is there is there anything that you are not interested in uh in playing with no i really want to touch all of it not in an inappropriate way but i um i just that's one of the things that i love about fan fiction is the freedom that it gives people to really try anything and to try any genre that they want to read or write and it, it, that's really what I've been using it for is because I, I love genre stuff and I love all these weird specific genres. And so it's been great to kind of be able to play in this sandbox and put them in any situation that I want to. I would love to write a horror one. I just don't, I, that, that I think is the hardest one personally, like thinking abstractly about it. I think horror would be the hardest uh, to write, but I would really love to try and tackle that at one point. Seems like Winona would definitely lend itself to horror, as opposed to like if you're writing Grey's Anatomy fanfic and wanted to do a horror <laughs> show, a horror story that would be a little tougher. But yeah, Winona, you got revenants, you got all sorts of crazy stuff happening. But I can, I can, I not being a writer, I don't know how it is to actually write that kind of thing. But um, you know, it seems like you've got plenty of elements to play with if you decide to tackle it. Yeah, well, I think that's part of the reason why there's such a varied 
um, palette of Winona Earp fan fiction is because the show kind of has enough for a little bit of every genre that you really could want to write for. There's the romance, there's the the drama, there's the angst, there's the horror elements. And I think that's probably part of the reason why there's so many different ways that you could really go with that. Some of my favorite parts of your fanfic in particular are your tags. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they are pretty awesome. If you don't mind if I read a few now. Sure. Um, I'm just going to pick some random ones from a few of your stories. <laughs> um, uh, we have rainbow assless chaps make an appearance. <laughs> Dolly Parton drag queens, mud wrestling, drunk Nicole loves stripping, heaven help us. Way hot wedding. <laughs> Actually, there are three weddings in this. <laughs> uh, fanfic in a fanfic. Uh, fanfic <laughs> wedding. Uh, drive through strip club. <laughs> Uh, the assless chaps makes a, a few appearances in different tags. Uh, <laughs> we have Thanksgiving. Waverly cooks a tofurkey. I wrote this when I was missing my dog. There's a dog in this. It's a puppy with a puppy. Also, maybe some light smut. Uh, Thanksgiving smut. No turkeys were used in the smut. Well, dot dot dot. Just kidding. Or am I? I love that one. The tags are stories in unto themselves. Uh, <laughs> We also have mail order bride, uh, but the, but there was only one bed. Yeehaw, Nicole, <laughs> and maybe Waverly is a little yeehaw too. Slow burn again. Nicole is an assless chap. You're welcome. <laughs> so there's a lot going on in these different stories. That was from a few different ones that you have, but at a few <laughs> within the same series, and with you know that there's really so many different avenues to get into your uh, fanfic. Um, you have a lot of different stories going on and I love it. So you have the original, um, how are you going to come in here looking like that? <laughs> uh, why'd you come in here looking like that? Uh, which is the first in the series. And then you have four parts total in that story with some one shots after that original 11 chapter Um story, I guess I'll call it. Uh, but where do you go from where you write those original, I'll call it an, an epic, because these chapters are long. Um, and it's great because it really immerses you into the story. Um, and this particular one, why'd you come in here looking like that is uh, where Waverly becomes a contestant on The Bachelorette. Um, and it goes from there. <laughs> um, you know, in the original story is 11 chapters. And again, I mean, where do you go? How long did that take you to write that entire series? And then do you go back and you start thinking, oh, I think I'm going to add this kind of this one shot onto that story and make it a different part. Um, how do you, what's the process for that? That one in particular came pretty quickly, quicker than I expected it to, because it, my friend gave me the idea of a bachelorette. Um, thing she's just like oh what if there was like a bachelorette situation and i was like eh, maybe i'll try it so i started outlining it as a one shot it's originally only going to be you know like 50 pages maybe and so but i hadn't watched the bachelorette ever so i put on an episode and it was <laughs> it was the most <laughs> ridiculous amazing <laughs> upsetting and fantastic <laughs> thing that i have ever watched and <laughs> i knew it had to be this huge story. Um, so that actually, it didn't take me that long to write it. I think if, if it's 11 chapters, it probably took me about 13 weeks ish to write it. Uh, maybe a little longer. 
but it, yeah, it's it's not. It's, I'm usually for the most part writing the week before for the next week. Uh, there, when I first start, I'll have a couple of chapters banked, but that's just because I know that at one point I'm going to get behind. But it, it always catches up to me, so I always end up writing uh, the chapter the week before most of the time. Uh, it usually when I get to about chapter five. So yeah, that probably took me at the most. 20 weeks, maybe. I'm not sure how many months that is. Probably about five years. So, um, <laughs> but I never have the intention of doing one shots. I just kind of, you know, I'll be finished with the story. I'll be like, ah, there we go. I'm done. Don't have to look at this ever again. And then I'll get a random idea somewhere or someone will, you know, tag me in something or show, show me something that suddenly I'm like, well, this has to happen in this world. So uh, it just happens. Yeah. I think for the the pride one I wrote for that one, it was pride week and I wanted to write something for pride week. And so those characters just fit naturally into that situation. Um, and then the, the last one I did in that series with the, the, the wedding, people had been asking me to do a, a wedding one for that one for a while. And I wasn't sure, you know, I don't really like writing weddings. I think it's 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 very hard to write weddings for me because it all feels very cheesy and it all it's always like, oh, I love you so much, I love you so much. It's like that's not interesting to me. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, once the chase is gone, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so much harder to write. It, it, for me, it's hard to write without. It, it, for me, I'm just worried that it's not going to sound sincere and it's not going to sound right for those characters to just be telling each other how much they love each other you know, back and forth for however many paragraphs or chapters or whatever. So that, that's always really tough for me. But um, then I just, I don't remember where I got the idea of Nicole and, and um, Winona accidentally getting married in Vegas. But (laughs) once it was, once it was in my brain, I had to, had to go for it. I I couldn't, I couldn't not let it get, not let it happen. So. (laughs) And then how, how did you, to add to that sort of fun situation, the fact that they went to a Dolly Parton drag chapel, wedding chapel. <laughs> uh, it's a qu- quite the nice touch. Um, are, are you a big Dolly Parton fan? I love Dolly Parton. I have a <laughs> Dolly Parton tattoo on what? my calf. <laughs> yeah, I love oh, her Oh, so nice. She's, She's cool. fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, the, <laughs> and with that story, the Why'd You Come In Here Looking Like That was originally written in August of 2018. Uh, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that these kept coming back because there's nothing worse than when you really get into a story mm-hmm. and then it's just, it just ends and yep. there's no more updates and it's like, Oh my God, but you saw it through and this is an epic and there are multiple epics that you have going on. And uh, I appreciate that so much because 2018 has started and you just put a new uh, part up in March of this year. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> No, thank you, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, you you write you publish once a week, don't you? For yeah, when I'm actively writing, when I'm actively posting a fic, it's once a week. That is very disciplined. How do you find the time to do that and work a full time job? Uh it's very difficult. It's uh mostly no sleeping. Um <laughs> but it it it's the <sighs> I don't know how I honestly, I don't know where the time comes from. I think it, I just black out and <laughs> wake up and then there's something on the page sometimes. Wow. There have been times that I've been like typing and falling asleep and I'll wake up 
and I'll read what I wrote and it makes no sense, but at the same time completely makes like it, it makes sense, but doesn't it, it's weird. But uh, no, I just at work, if I have a couple minutes of downtime, I'll, you know, get a few words out here or there. It's basically just constant writing, constant, constant writing when I'm not doing something else. And it's I a lot of, um, hmm? oh, no, it's, it's a lot of like in my head stuff. So I take it writing comes fairly naturally to you to be able to put out like a chapter a week and, and do the amount of writing you've done. Cause like personally, like I, it's torture to try to write things. And then sometimes I get on this, you know, like channels, like, Oh, I'm writing. And it's so good. And then I look back and I'm like, Oh, that was all horrible. But, um, so for like real writers like yourself, is it just something that does sort of come naturally and you just hear almost hear the characters in, in your head, almost writing it itself? Well, first of all, let's not throw around words like real writer around. The <laughs> um, second of all, yeah, it's, it, it's very much, they kind of dictate everything to me. It, it I don't know. It, I, I kind of have to put myself in these time limits of, well, you have to put this out on Thursday, so you better get it done, or else I would be staring at a blank page forever. Uh, like, writing this this book, writing Queer Leaders, it's it's not as long as most of my fan fiction, but it took me three times as long to write because I didn't have a set due date that I gave myself. And I really need to be better about, you know, giving myself due dates, even if it doesn't really mean anything, but that I, the only reason that I can get anything done is when I give myself a, a definite time that I have to have it done by. Otherwise I would just, yeah, I would just stare at a blank page forever, but it Same does, way. it does get to the the point where it just feels like they're the, the characters are just kind of dictating what I'm writing down. It sounds like you and I are very similar in that um, a lot of things happen last second, but that's definitely <laughs> not necessarily bad. But we work better with deadlines. If, you yes. know, if someone gives <laughs> a deadline or, you know, give a deadline to ourselves. So respect. That is, it's very hard. <laughs> respect indeed. So are y'all good with your, your fan fiction questions? Because I have a question here because I want to know. You you mentioned that you make trailers. And I, I read that you mentioned, you talked about the things that people talk to talk through during the movies, but I don't cause I love those flipping things. And um, unless you're in a movie where they show like 15 of them, like when we saw rise of Skywalker and by the end, you're like, I just don't want to see another. Cause they're all the same when you watch like 15 in a row. Yeah. What is that like? How did you get started? And how did you, how do you get to do that? Cause that sounds like a pretty darn cool way to make a living. Um, it's, it's, I have a lot of fun in my job. It's very stressful um, at times, but it's very fun. I kind of accidentally stumbled into it because it was um, in the time that I was between jobs. I had previously worked uh, on production. So I'd done a lot of like set PA stuff and art PA stuff and on TV shows and movies or whatever. And I tried to do, um, I, for a little bit, I was a reality TV development person, you know, kind of thing. Hated that. That was the worst thing. <laughs> um, and so I quit that job without another job, which was dumb. But uh, my friend, one of my really, really good friends from Roller Derby, actually, she owned a company with her husband that made movie trailers. And I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about that part of the world uh, of the entertainment business. But she gave me a job as a uh, as just like the office PA. And 
since then I worked my way up to producer, which is great, but it, it's so fun and it's so crazy of a world. It's, it's, it's crazy to take a movie that isn't done and (laughs) kind of cut it down into two minutes and 30 seconds. Um, yeah, when it's not even a miniature movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the way that, that I could describe it in fandom terms is making fan videos for studios for their movies because it's like, take all the coolest parts of the movie and lie to audience sometimes about different (laughs) storylines and shove it all together. I was going to say, how much do you have to do because the studio wants you to do it certain ways, even though you're like, Oh my gosh, it'd be so much better if I could tell this part or show this or, or tell it this way, but they're like, no, we want to see this character more. Or no, we don't want to show this part. Or no, we want to show this part, even though it spoils everything. So you put this in there, whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of that. Because, it, <laughs> you know, sometimes we'll be working on a trailer for six to nine months before it is out in the world. So it's a lot of, like, it starts off with, this is what we want to show. And then through, you know, sometimes hundreds and hundreds of versions it ends up being, you know, what the studio wants, which is the point, like they're hiring us, you know, but, and you see them make stupid decisions sometimes, yep. <laughs> um, but you just kind of have to grin and bear it and do what they want. Cause there is, yeah, there's a lot of don't show this character or don't show this plot point or, you know, don't, don't show this particular setting because it looks cheap or whatever. Um, oh, <laughs> right. And you kind of yeah. have to trust the process because you're not getting to see the whole product or whatever they have finished, right? Are they just sending you certain parts of it? It depends on the movie and the security of it. But most of the time it starts, we start as they are filming. So they'll still be filming and we'll be getting the dailies every day of what they're filming. And then we have a really talented team of uh, assistant editors who will put together a movie based on those dailies. So obviously it's not what they show in theaters, but it, it is just to show us so we can watch a movie because it's, re- you know, obviously it's really hard to make a trailer when you don't know what the movie is about. So, you know, with animated things, it starts with storyboards and temporary voiceover. And with the actual live action movies, it starts with dailies. And we, so we have the movie from the very beginning, which is one of my favorite parts because I love watching how things change. I love watching, you know, one second it's a ball on the end of a stick and then it's a raptor (laughs) in the next version you get, you know? So I just love watching that process and um, kind of like the little behind the scenes of how it becomes a polished movie. Well, which also explains why you'll watch a trailer and then you get to the movie and you're like, that scene that I remember from the trailer wasn't even in there or it was different Mm -hmm. or something happens. Because obviously you're, they're changing things as you're, you're, after you've made the first trailer, who knows how much stuff, changes or is reshot or edited out before the actual film comes out. Um, Exactly. And a lot of times, a lot of the lines you hear are not in the actual movie. We make those up. Like, Oh, really? Making the yeah, we'll make the trailer and we'll be like, we need a line that says this. So we'll have a sound alike do it. And then, you know, they'll have the actual actors read it. Because I guess it explains more about what you need to tell in the trailer, I'm guessing. Yes. From the ones I remember, like, yeah, you, you might need to explain something a little further. But, you know, now it's, as far as trailers, it's interesting that, like, it used to be, yeah, they just run in front of the movies. People are getting popcorn. Oh, but, you know, sometimes it's fun to watch the trailers. But now 
with online and YouTube, a lot of the social media, like there's so much like the trailer drops on Thursday or whatever. And it's like, there's how many times was it viewed and retweeted and downloaded. And it's like this big competition of like whose trailer was downloaded the most or viewed the most and trailers in itself, or it's almost like a big release, the big release of the trailer for the big film. So not that it adds more pressure, but it kind of does. It, it really does. The studio does put a lot of emphasis on um, numbers when like how many views and stuff like we pay way too much attention to that stuff but they also because of the way that the internet is and the way that people consume media these days it has changed even just in the like four or five years that i've been working it has really changed how we make the trailers because now studios are really really stuck on the first six seconds of the trailer have to be what gets a person watching because it, if if you click out of the box after six seconds or whatever, you, it doesn't count as a view. So now they have to try and keep people there for at least the first six seconds. And then it's going to be the next three to four seconds and stuff like that, which is why they put those like tiny trailers on the front of the actual trailer is because they're just putting all the most exciting stuff in there in the first four to 10 seconds to get that view and to keep you watching for at least a little bit so that it counts before you click out. You know what? That's all fascinating and all, but <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, like, man, just let them make a good trailer without, I just hate all that emphasis on like when all, when all the, the click number, like I can work in TV news and so much of what we do is like, cause you got to hit weather at this certain time. Mm-hmm. You got to do this. Like you're, you're just kind of like, everything's dictated by hitting certain numbers at certain times. Like you said, you got to hold it for six seconds. You got to do this. It's like, just let people make good trailers. And I, just, I know, you know but whatever. I know it's like it affects how you have to do your editing and your job. And and sometimes people might not stick around, but it's not because you didn't do a good job. It's like, you know, it's it part. I'm sure a lot of it's related to how much people are actually just looking forward to a particular film in yeah. general and not That's how good. The yeah, exactly. Like if it's a property people are excited about, they're going to watch the trailer, even if it's maybe not a great trailer. Or if you look at, well, I'm not. Yeah, I Never mind. I'm not going to say it on a recorded podcast. <laughs> Got it. I don't want this. I don't want this coming back to me. So <laughs> that's probably wise. That's probably yeah. If you had to make a trailer for your for your book, would cast <laughs> as the main characters? And what? Uh, you know what? I don't even want to say that. I don't want to say what part would you put in the first six seconds because I don't want to spoil anything in your book because <laughs> it's so good to read and you know makes you laugh out loud at certain points. So. But who would you put in your movie if you could? Ooh, that's tough. I mean, my dream casting probably for Beth would be Haley Steinfeld. Um, nice. She's, <laughs> she's excellent in well, everything she does. Us. Yeah. No, have you, guys, nice. <laughs> have you guys watched Dickinson at all? No, I really want to. Oh my God. gosh. Dickinson is amazing. And you mention that in your book. Well, the yeah, yeah, <laughs> not the show. Yeah, no, it, it 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 was an accidental coincidence, but I don't even care. I'm so happy about it now because yeah, <laughs> Dickinson is such a good show. She's amazing in it. Um, so she she's my dream casting for Beth. Um, and like I said before, I don't. It's so hard to cast for me to cast people. I I I think I'll stick with Blue Hunt for Mac. And then Lila is really a, a toss in the air for me because I do I would want a, a POC actress, but that 
pool of people to pull from is very small. And unfortunately for myself, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that would fit in that general age range. That's a good part for like an unknown up and comer. Exactly. Good casting is for. There you go. Okay. Exactly. Someone just knocked your thoughts off. I'm curious, (laughs) in your Harry Potter fanfic, who was the ship? Who was your main characters in that one usually? Well, since I was wee and did not realize how gay I was yet, it was Harry Hermione. And I will take Harry Hermione to my grave. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. I actually, for my Harry Potter fan fiction, I actually wrote it. An original character was the main character, as opposed to the, like, the other characters were there, but the the original character was, like, my main character. Um, But it was definitely all Harry Hermione, 1,000%. I will ship Tara that ships, to my grave. Uh, Tara ships Tara Hermione. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's also a great I, ship. I write my own personal fanfic about that one. It's a classic ship. <laughs> I mean, how could you not? <laughs> so now that now everybody has so much time on their hands, are you? what are you watching right now? Are you binging anything? Is there something that you've just come upon that you're super excited about? What are you? How are you feeling your time right now? I am watching everything um, that I can. We, let's see. What did I just watch? I watched um, I'm So Not Okay With This in the span of one day, which was my very good. It, it was yeah, way better than I expected it. And it was very easy to binge because each episode is maybe 20 minutes. Oh. Oh, wow. Oh. And it's only, I think it's eight or nine episodes. It's very easy to watch. And the characters are very sweet. And there is, it, it is a little bit of a baby gay situation and it, it's not the emphasis of the show, uh, but it, it's there and it's cute. And I hope they get a second season to explore that more. Nice. Um, it's funny because the end of that, it kind of is like what I did in Queer Leaders a little bit with the, how she got outed. So that was interesting to watch. I was like, damn it, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> At Netflix. Oh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to do your version. It's all right. <laughs> I will pay them. <laughs> all right. So Mel, uh, how can people find your book, Queer Leaders, and how can people find your fan fiction? Queer Leaders is on bellabooks.com or it's also on amazon.com. Uh, it's on a few different websites, actually. So I think if you just Google it, but those are the two main places uh, that I would look for it. Uh, the ebook specifically is on uh, Bella Books and uh, fan fiction, AO3, Boots and Cats. How do I spell that? It's Boots, regular, N, Cats with a Z. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yep. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> so that's my AO3. And uh, that's where all the, the fanfic is. Hey, and how you also- come up with that name? Oh, sorry, Kat. I was going to give you one more uh, opportunity to plug. You also have a Patreon. Yes, I do. Um, under the same name, Boots and Cats. Spelt right. the same confusing way. Boots and Cats. <laughs> How did you come up with Boots and Cats? I want to know that. I don't remember, actually. I, I I think it just made me laugh because I like going Boots and Cats and Boots and Cats and Boots and Cats. When after you, if you ask Alexa to rap, I think it is, she'll go boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. <laughs> I do that all the time. So that's the first thing I thought of was Alexa rapping boots and cats. 
So. <laughs> that that sounds right. Yeah, it just it makes me laugh. Like most of my decisions that I make in life, I chose it because it makes me laugh. So oh, good. I'll take yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> it's led to some poor decisions, but I laughed the whole time. So it's fun. <laughs> I feel like that's a better decision making tool than logic. It's just like, hey, what makes me laugh? <laughs> what makes it? So it seems right right now. It can get you places. Because even if something goes badly, at least you had a good laugh out of it. You know. Exactly. Uh, and Mel, thank you so much for talking with us. I really am a big fan of yours. And I hope that you will continue to write original stuff. I think you're great. And uh, I appreciate you giving us your time today. Thank you, guys. Yeah, hope maybe we can do this again sometime when your next book comes out. <laughs> or your movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody. Have a good day. Stay safe. Well, that was delightful. Mel was such a pleasure to speak with. Yeah, that was that was very interesting. I'm always fascinated to hear writers talk about writing, and much less the movie trailer thing. That's uh, yeah, and we I need to mail them some Dr Pepper lip smackers. <laughs> Let's. That's all I'm saying. We need to change Mel's opinion on that. And- <laughs> uh, well, if there's a fanfic writer out there that you listener would like us to talk to, why don't you send us an email to shenerdsout at gmail dot com or on the gram. Or the Facebook at She Nerds Out Podcast. Or on the Twitter at, at SNO Podcast. That's at Snop Oddcast. With one D. And please, however you're listening to us, can you subscribe? Can you rate and review us? Because we feed off of other people's compliments. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we need Snop. positive uh, reinforcement to keep Snop us going. Really needs that. <laughs> yes. Well, that's our love language: is positive reinforcement and, right. and words of affirmation. That is the snop way. Yes, please help us. <laughs> yes, we're all vulnerable right now. We're yes, we're alone. We don't have each other side by side to reinforce each other. We need you. We need you to give us something <laughs> something good we're all good we're all good we can see each other right now we're doing a video slash audio remote cast yeah it's beautiful it's kind of cool it's, it is it's nice that we can see each other's beautiful faces oh <laughs> we're all wearing glasses it's we are we look smart <laughs> we look like very intelligent <laughs> podcasters indeed and i showered today so it's even better <laughs> oh, thank you that's a win that's a win even remotely hey these days for people it is a win so all right well what day is it i don't know who cares <laughs> it's a day it's a day we all stayed home i went outside once it was all good so. <laughs> on that note she nerds out, out. She nerds out. we're girls that like girls that like nerds